everybody, Randy here. Before we get into today's episode, I want to thank one of our sponsors. That is, of course, our good friends at Precision Pro Golf. By now, I hope you know all about the NX9 slope, but just in case you don't, we all trust Precision Pro Golf, the C-Suite, the Strap Boys, even the NARC Mr. Pie. We trust the NX9 slope and Precision Pro Golf to get us to the green. It is an awesome product, fits in your bag, has a magnetic strip. You can place it right on the golf cart for easy access throughout your round. It has a pulse. When you lock onto your target, there's a pulse vibration that lets you know that it is registered. It's fast, it's accurate. Uh, it has optional slope if you want to use that or not. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, you get free lifetime battery replacement services, which is fantastic. Precision Pro Golf has some of the best customer service. Should anything go wrong, you can email them. Uh, heck, you can call them, and you're going to speak to a real person, a passionate golfer, and they will get you squared away as soon as humanly possible. And right now, our listeners can receive an extra $20 off the NX9 slope by using coupon code TRAPDRAW. Go to precisionprogolf.com. Use coupon code TRAPDRAW at checkout for $20 off our favorite rangefinder, the NX9 slope. Swing with confidence, hit more greens, maybe even get yourself a hole in one before the year's up with Precision Pro Golf. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Trap Draw Podcast. I am Randy. I'm joined by Tron, fresh back from Baltimore, TC. Good morning, and I hope you got your fill of crabs. I know you're a big crab guy. I did. I got I my, my hands are still healing. I ate so many crabs, my hands started bleeding on Saturday <laughs> night. JVV and uh, a few others. Poor poor Ath joined. Is it was a it was a fantastic uh, fantastic week in Baltimore. What a what an interesting, like very very authentic place. It's a cool um, city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you think of uh, Caves Valley? Uh, I mean, the waterfall was, you know, oh. who cares what the golf course looks like when you've got a waterfall <laughs> like that? Uh, no, very, um, God, they love wearing their logo. Um, I guess the members wear red logos and mm-hmm. they, they quote unquote fly the flag. Uh, it was a very severe kind of hill piece of property. It was tough to walk down from the clubhouse to, you know, kind of the lower piece of the property. Um, you know, very Foz. It was kind of like Coil Hollow on a much more severe uh, hillside is kind of how I would describe it. I Speaking of members, I saw a picture. Your guy, Tom Friedman, was out there as a uh, walking scorer with one of the groups. I, I don't know if you got a chance to chat him up or not. He was probably trying to talk people up about, you know, globalism. And, and you know, although it's not, it's not good that the guy that wrote the Lexus and the olive tree is out at the BMW. 
I, that's exactly that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, and congrats on congrats on your good play at Baltimore Country Club as well. To to tie a Thank knot on it. Thank you. I yeah. I, I I beat the shit out of everybody. Let's just let's just get that out there. That was probably the best one of the best rounds I've played in the last like ten years. Uh, when you get so much crab in you, you can't be stopped. This was pre crab. Oh. This was pre crab. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I won by six. You know, what do you want me to do? Yeah, that's uh, a lot. And I and I, you know, shot seventy one, one over par seventy one. With I was three over on the, on the par fives. On the, on, I was three over on the two par fives, ninety five yards out in the middle of each fairway with a, mm. with a wedge in my hand, like a little, you know, uh, sand wedge in my hand. Blew the green on both of them. Ball was jumping, man. Oof, that that nice humid air. Yeah, uh, unbelievable golf course though. Was blown away by. Uh, by uh, Baltimore Country Club, um, got to play with friend of the pod Stephen Britton out at oh, nice. uh, Chevy Chase as well, and then uh, and then we made a a stop at a, uh, a a piece of foliage that was on fire in the uh, PC area. So that's all I'll say about that. Oh, what a trip! What a trip! Well, I'm glad you have fun. Uh, welcome back. Big week this week. You and I are going to get together in person. Obviously, the Solheim Cup is this week. Uh, no surprise. Our preview is going to be about Toledo. Uh, I guess we could have done Atlanta, you know, your hometown, TC. But uh, we enough has been said about Atlanta. We did Spencer uh, last year. That's probably exactly. the best, one of the best ones we've done thus far. Yeah, we don't need to dig in on Atlanta anymore. And the Euros are somewhere, but uh, they're in Italy at the, the oh. in Rome at the, the course that's going to host the Ryder Cup in uh, 2024. Well, there we go. Uh, so, Trevi Fountain, love the Trevi Fountain in Rome. Gosh, what I saw your boy Eric Prince mm. uh, is is charging sixty five hundred dollars a seat for rides out of Kabul. Yeah, maybe no longer, but uh, you know, just some good American capitalism there. Good, good job, EP. We're all proud of you, buddy. <laughs> what a, what a, what a f- bad, bad, bad guy. Uh, TC jury selection today. Elizabeth Holmes trial in San Jose. Yeah. You'll be keeping a close, close eye on that. I saw she. Uh, she's she's trying to blame her her former boyfriend slash coworker. Uh, for you know, she was she was hypnotized almost, and like she she couldn't make her own decisions <laughs> about anything. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, oh God, what's going on out in Denver? Not not a whole lot. Been been playing a little tennis, TC. I've been doing these uh, weekend morning like group classes. It's like twelve people. You just get together do a bunch of, uh, there are a couple instructors. They run you through a bunch of drills and games. And, um, yeah, I feel like trying to sharpen my tennis game a little bit. I get to play golf though with George Carl the other week. Oh, George Carl. He's been, he's been spicy on Twitter the last, uh, you know, six months or so. It's been yeah. great. So I, I played with him like the morning after he took a run at, uh, Carmelo. I, I oh, guess he, he was shitting all over Carmelo. It was great. Yeah. It was yeah. like the highlight of Twitter in the last month or two. Yeah. I guess Carmelo had said something about, you know, he never wanted to leave Denver and I, it was I, just a bunch of stuff. And Carl was like, really? That's like, I don't know what Carl's exact tweets were, but like, hmm, that's interesting. Like that's new. So it should be like, Carmelo, you're 
freaking lying, dude. Like that's we're so, a black hole in Denver. <laughs> yeah. So I, I played with him the next morning. Um, I, you know, it was one of those things where he's a friend of a guy that I've gotten to know. And so I didn't want to come on too much with asking a bunch of basketball stuff, but hoping, hoping to be able to play with him some more, uh, in the Nugget future. Be my, that was my squad back when they had J.R. Smith and, uh, Kenyon. Kenyon, they had Gallinari, they had, uh, oh gosh, they had Nene. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Ty Lawson. Um, yeah, I loved those teams back in the day. That was, there was one NBA uh, playoffs where I think I I had like 14 or uh, I think I hit 14 of 17 bets against the spread. <laughs> it was incredible. I'm like I should have yeah. A true heater. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it went well, you know, when I when I kind of doubled down on everything. But yeah. um God, what else we got going on? We got uh Sirhan Sirhan. Oh got you paroled. Know, got paroled? Yeah. Wild. Um, Sirhan Sirhan, underrated name. Always, always like that name. I like Boutros Boutros, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh your boy Scam. Oh, yeah, the army worms. Yeah, so our colleague, our friend and colleague Ben Hoteling, uh, he's dealing with some army worms in Kansas City at uh, BCN. And like, it's you know, I guess these things have been just wreaking havoc all over the Midwest. Do we know why they're called army worms? I think they're, you know, I don't know. That's a great question, Randy. Great question. Okay. Uh, and they're, they're, they're going nuts on Bermuda, any sort of Bermuda grass, I think. Bermuda, Georgia, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, get your, get your treatments down, folks. Hmm. Hmm. And then... Uh, I'm, I'm seeing the term army worm can refer to several species, often describing the large-scale invasive behavior of the species larval stage. Not truly, good. Truly sick pieces of shit. Uh, yeah, these are these are invading army worms. That's tough. Uh, I've, I've got, in the interest of full transparency, um, as I close in on my my quest for Premier One K status on United, I should have that in the next couple of weeks for the remainder of this year into 2022. Um, Neil flew United Premium Plus. Uh, first of all, I just want to say Neil uh, thought that he was supposed to fly to to London on Sunday. Uh, he actually had to fly to London on Friday. So he drove, he played in our event in Baltimore on Friday morning and then drove up to Newark and flew straight out. And that's just, it was just very Neil of him, but he said uh, uh, he got uh, premium plus or, you know, kind of their premium economy uh, on the way over on a 787 uh, Dreamliner on United. And he said it was just, just resplendent. He said it was an unbelievable uh, thing, but in the interest of full transparency on my end, I flew in and out of Dulles this week and, um, you know, the Dulles airport, uh, everybody was trying to rave about the terminal. I know it's a world renowned, um, you know, architecture at the terminal there. Um, but it, it like, it is truly like that airport is truly a disgrace. We went to the United, I took a solid to the United club. I had a pass to burn and, uh, it was the worst airline lounge I've ever been in anywhere. It was just not good. Total disgrace. So, um, Randy, we got to talk about this, this uh, Bishop Sycamore. Oh, my God. Hey. Have you been reading? I've, I've, I've been trying to consume as much as possible about Bishop Sycamore. You know, I don't have the full story. I just read kind of the, the USA Today 
version. Um, but it sounds like US, the, uh, the uh, ESPN got done dirty. IMG is not asking the right questions. You have to wonder about that. Um, which, you know, IMG, it's also Naomi Osaka's uh, agency of record as well, I believe. So tough, tough deal there. Um, but yeah, I mean, tell me, tell me more about it, man. So there was a high school showcase, high school opening weekend football showcase on ESPN. Uh, they televised a number of different games. And one of them happened to be Bishop Sycamore out of Columbus, Ohio versus the IMG Academy football team, which is like the IMG team is, you know, one of the best programs in the country. And I, I think like just so the thinking was, I guess, Bishop Sycamore had told the event organizers and ESPN, like, hey, our roster, we got all these guys with D1 offers. You know, we're, we're a worthy opponent, essentially. And it's like 35 to nothing at the end of the first quarter or something. And literally, it looks like men against boys, you know, varsity against JV. And the announcer's like, yeah, I don't know about any of this, man. Like, this is shady. You know, these kids are going to get hurt. Like, how is this team essentially like in real time? The the guys calling the game on ESPN were starting to just be like, yeah, something doesn't seem right here. And so do a little digging. Apparently, Bishop Sycamore had played a game that Friday. So they, they were playing IMG on Sunday. Their whole team had played Friday, uh, which is very weird. Not only that, they have like 35 kids on the roster. They all play like both ways, which is, you know, that's a tough turnaround to play both ways in a football game and then come back and play one of the best teams in the country on, you know, two days rest, one day rest. Uh, And so the more they start looking into it, I guess Bishop Sycamore, their address is like some, apartment duplex in Columbus. They're not a actual high school. They supposedly say they're like an online prep school, but people are like, well, there's no classes going on. It's just like trying to get all these kids from all over the country to come play on a football team. Um, Apparently some of the kids are like, have played Juco football before. Like there's no age restrictions. Uh, just a complete mess. I, I read something. The coach has like an outstanding warrant. Maybe uh, it, it's just a delicious, delicious situation. And what's even crazier is like Bishop Sycamore played last season. They played like, you know, uh, Cleveland St. Ed's and, and St. Ignatius. Like they've played, all they do is just go play the best football teams like anywhere and just get their doors blown off. It like a buy, like a, like a buy game where they, you know, when, Alabama or any of these schools will buy like an opponent, like a, you know, like, like a double A or, you know, opponent will come in and just get the shipping out of them. So you can kind of get another scrimmage in. And And I don't like from the other school's perspective, I don't know if it's that, or if it's like Bishop Sycamore touts itself. So having all these, you know, D one kids, well, like these kids are like self-reporting these offers that are probably not, you know, they're they're not real D one offers. So I think I will say, I don't think, IMG Academy should be able to have a football team. I think that's bullshit. Like that kid, Grant Delpit from a couple of years ago is with the Browns. He's got all the popcorn muscles, uh, went to LSU, doesn't know how to tackle. Like is IMG a high school or are they a prep school? Like, do they get to play in the Florida high school tournament? I don't know. I know. I think they just play like this, this national schedule, but they don't play Florida. They just play like kind of like matter day Cal poly or, sure they play what's the one up in bergen county new jersey or um 
you know, yeah. Bosco, Don Bosco, like that. It, it, but it's just it's like like turning high school football into into like AAU stuff just seems like off to me, right? Of course, it's all. I mean, the the sleaze is just it. It just keeps seeping down, you know, yeah. level by level. Um, I I don't know. It's I, I'm glad. I would be pissed as like a parent or a Florida high school athlete. If IMG was like participating in the Florida, you know, high school state football championships. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure the back, like the, the other thing would be, you know, like Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. It's like, yeah, like, of course they recruit, you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> right. It's kind of the, but they're like a brick and mortar, like physical school too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think at some point it's uh it's just like, I bet Jim Trestle's involved. I bet urban, I bet it goes all the way up to the Ohio state brass. I agree. I, I would, I wouldn't even be surprised if big nuts, like a, a secret booster. He might even yeah. be the ringleader of this. Jim Jordan might be involved. Uh, you know, Les Wexner, all that, all those, all those creepy, creepy, suspicious characters up in, up in Columbus, Ohio. We'll have to get RC Kunk on. I bet he's got the down, down low. That we might need just a, a trap draw specifically devoted to, to Bishop Sycamore because yeah, the story is not over. TC, I feel like people are uh, some real reporters are on the on the trail now. I, I feel like we're tip of the iceberg here. It's what an outrageous, like outrageous name, Bishop Sycamore. It's like two different. You know, there's no bishop like there's no bishop named Sycamore. Correct. Tree, yeah. You know? People so, have, of course, pointed out their initials BS are, are very apt in this situation. <laughs> um, God, do we have anything else? Uh, Cam, wanna, Cam Newton. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to comment on Cam getting cut? Oh, I think it's, you know, I think the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? Uh, the the uh, Patriots have, have certainly made their bed with Mac Jones. Um, I think, you know, I, I would love to see cam get scooped up by your broncos i would love that and i'd love if cam wants to come out to denver i can show him around uh he can crash on my couch if he needs a place to stay would love 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 to have cam in denver i totally agree with you there's some rumblings coming out of of jacks here that uh urban there's there's some unhappy players there's some some resentment and tension in the locker room although i will say trevor lawrence fucking great the other night (laughs) who would have ever thought herb could rub some people the wrong way uh all right well tc we'll turn our attention to toledo real quick for you didn't get to this with the conversation with our guest do you know toledo ohio's sister city gotta be a city with a river rolling through it uh Don't, don't overthink this don't overthink it toledo spain yeah that's exactly right not only that tc the first sister city relationship ever created in the U.S. 1931. Really? Yep, Toledo, Ohio, and Toledo, Spain. Like, is Toledo, Spain? I need to brush up on my Spanish geography here, but uh, is there a river running through Toledo, Spain as well? I would have to think there's got to be some some water around Toledo. I would uh, hope. I think it's very very uh, central Spain, right? Um. I don't know that, you know, it, it totally remains to be seen. I just want to know, did you, did we effort Scooter McDougal, uh, the, the, the old, uh, the Toledo running back, 
Correct. The uh, uh, Toledo Rockets running back. With the point shaving scandal then? Did he I get caught he up was, in that? I want to say he did. God, I've watched so much Toledo football over the years <laughs> between Maxion. Yeah, he did. He, he pled guilty in the point uh, shaving case. Hate that. Yeah, we did effort him. We did. We did. Yeah. Uh, I, I, think, I think Toledo seems like a hotbed for, uh, for just kind of very sketchy behavior. Like, I, I guess there's, there's been an FBI investigation into some of, the, uh, some of the downtown improvements related to the Solheim Cup. Um, um, there's been all sorts of juicy stuff. I know they had the, you know, they're struggling like crazy last few years, last decade, really, with all the agricultural runoff into yeah. in the Lake Erie. Um, where they, they, they had to shut off the water supply for a while because uh, of a, a, you know, what was it, an algae, like a, an algae that was emitting poisons. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, just the, you know, just a lot of, I think, I think Toledo is, is very, uh, very connected city in the, uh, in the, you know, underworld, um, you know, especially with all the, all the glass, all the, all the auto stuff coming up there in the, uh, you know, early to mid 1900s. It's, it's beautiful. And of course their, their city council recently, uh, it's kind of an homage to Cincinnati. I think like half their city council got arrested, um, for, for bribery and, and pay for play schemes with, with Love local that. businesses. So yeah, no, very cool. Uh, I think Talia has got a lot going for it. We, yeah, we, well, we I, I will say I like, yeah, I'm excited to go to Toledo. I think there's, it's, it's a place, there's some, there's some authenticity and character there, you know, much yes. like there's some other cities in Ohio similar to that, but, um, you know, it's kind of the, 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 the marriage of Michigan and, and Ohio is Toledo, right? Well, the guests and I, we talk about the, the Toledo war of 1837 over the Toledo strip. Who could forget? Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is contested stuff. Uh, I will say I, it's fr- very frustrating. The Toledo airport United does not fly in there. I believe it's only American that flies into the Toledo express airport. Mm. Uh, uh, also a shout out the Toledo blade, probably the best newspaper name in all of the United States. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, well, let's get to our guest. Our guest this week, TC, is Coach Eric Hoops of the Loyola Chicago Golf Program. Uh, as he'll tell not, us, not a basketball coach. No, no he's basketball. not. No, his old man was a basketball coach, which he talks yeah. about. Which, and by the way, your old man from from Toledo. Well, right? my old man and his old man uh, actually grew up in Napoleon outside of Toledo, and they like knew each other. They were a few years apart, <laughs> but. Yeah, such a small world. My sister was born in Toledo. Unbelievable. Yeah, I was going to effort her if we needed her. Um, but yeah, we got Coach Eric Hoops. He's going to talk all about Toledo. Some great uh, TC, some great food and bar recommendations for us for this weekend. So, question um, for you, Loyola. So, Loyola, Chicago? Yes. Any sister gene takes flying around? Yes. He huge uh, spoiler, he's a huge sister gene guy. Speaks wow. glowingly about her. Wow, that she's such a thirst bucket. <laughs> she just turned 102 TC. Unreal. Happy birthday, sister Jean. Happy All right. belated. All right, let's get to Coach Hoops. Uh TC, I'll see you in Toledo this week. 
Sounds great, Randy. Travel safe, my man. All right, before we get to our conversation, I want to thank our other sponsor. That is, of course, our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Football is right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. And if Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TRAPDRAW to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TRAPDRAW. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Thank them very much for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now on to our conversation. But before we get there, ridiculous. But the Niners are only a seven-point favorite over the Lions. I know it's on the road. People that's, are f- that's an outrageous lack of respect for Shanny. People are fading Shanny. People are fading him. Unbelievable. Fluffed up too much. No, nah, th- th- he's he's doing provocative shit with that offense. I'm so excited. We'll TC. We'll revisit this in future episodes. <laughs> I'm sure. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. All right. Now joining us on the line, Coach Eric Hoops, um, the aforementioned men's head golf coach at Loyola, Chicago. Eric, good morning. Good afternoon. Well, first of all, I don't know where you are, so maybe it's good morning. Maybe it's good afternoon. Where are you coming to us from right now? Uh, So it is good morning. Um, I'm staring out at some mountains, so clearly I'm not in the city of Chicago right now. I'm uh, I'm out in the West Coast near you, Randy, actually. So um, I'm in Jackson Hole for a wedding. My cousins are getting married out here, so uh, we got the wedding tonight. Pretty excited. We uh, we did the full West Coast experience last couple of days. We were at a rodeo on Friday night. We did a, a boat cruise tour thing where we just basically floated on a raft and drank beers for about an hour. It was a, it was a ton of fun yesterday, and then uh, yeah, we got the the wedding going tonight. So. Uh, one last little escape from the city before we hit it hit it hard and heavy in our fall season when I get back to campus. That sounds that sounds magnificent. I've never been out to Jackson Hole, but now being a little bit closer, I need to uh, I need to rectify that. Had you ever been out there before? Uh, we came. My parents and I we took a huge road trip out west when I was you know nine or ten years old. And you know, as a nine or ten year old with the attention span at that age, you know, I remember wanting to play putt putt everywhere we go and being <laughs> bored everywhere we went. And like now we're starting to like circle back to all these cities. You know, now that I'm. Now that I'm of age, that I'm going to appreciate what I'm seeing. So, you know, going to the rodeo the other night was sweet. Last uh, about a month ago, we were we were actually near you. We were in Boulder for a uh, for a wedding. So I got to check out Boulder again. Remember being there when I was nine years old and just being like, man, I wish I could appreciate these things a little bit, a little bit more when I was younger. But now that now that I'm getting to kind of cross them off my list, I'm starting to starting to understand why you made your way out here. So I, like a lot of people, I thought that this was a bit when you were moving out here, but now that I'm out here and every time I visit, I get it. Like it's, it's a, it's a good spot to just 
get a get away from some people and relax. Well, good, good, good for you. Um, I want to ask you, I, I actually, I want to ask you about your coaching and um, all of that, but let's start because it is a Toledo podcast this week, obviously with the Solheim cup being there. Uh, let's establish some Toledo bona fides. Tell me about, uh, tell me about your relationship with Toledo. So uh, you're catching me out here in Jackson Hole with actually my, my childhood family, my immediate family here in this vacation home in Jackson Hole. We grew up Toledo, uh, actually Perrysburg, Ohio. If you know, if for, you know, everyone that lives in Toledo is that, or in the greater Toledo area says they're from Toledo, but I'm from Perrysburg, a little bit on the south suburbs of, uh, of Toledo, Ohio. Grew up there for 18 years. Um, Inverness itself holds a special place in my heart. I caddied there for 10, 12 years growing up. Um, went to Chicago to play golf for four years and then came back, was a graduate assistant at University of Toledo for two years. So I got to experience Toledo as a youngling and then Toledo as someone who was finally of a, of a legal drinking age and able to go out and experience stuff and not, you know, stuck in my parents' home in Perrysburg, you know, living in the heart of the city and got to, got to experience the bar scene, the restaurant scene, and uh, always kept kind of, like I said, I always kept that Inverness connection in the back of my head. So I, I'm really, really excited to watch some golf this weekend at Inverness because it's a place that's, that's been really, really special to my heart. And like I said, I, I know every square inch of the property caddying out there for as many years as I can. So I know we don't want to talk too much golf, but if we want to get on the Inverness for out, I can, I can hopefully go for a while on that. But I know we're here to talk about some other stuff. Well, I, I do. I, I want to ask you a little bit about Inverness and the Toledo golf scene, but I, I got to put a, a difficult question to you right from the start. I'm going to need you to power rank the following five suburbs around Toledo. All right. Perrysburg, Holland, Ottawa Hills, Sylvania, and Northwood. Ooh. Uh, Northwood's an interesting one you threw in there. All those other ones I think were, were, were pretty good. So, um, I'm trying not to be just completely biased towards Perrysburg because I, I love Perrysburg. We've got, you know, some new stuff going on with like Levis Commons and a lot of good restaurants in there. So I'd go there. Uh, Sylvania is great. I love Sylvania. You know, I would actually probably, I maybe put Sylvania number one. I think that the clubs that they got up there in the, on the North end in Sylvania are pretty good. So I'd probably go Sylvania one. I'd go Perrysburg two, just to make sure that I'm not have too much of a home bias. Ottawa, Hills is probably number three. Like I love Ottawa Hills. That's obviously where Inverness is, but it is also where like the rich, ritzy people of Toledo live. You know, that's where you're going to see the really, really nice cars. And when I was a, when I was at the university of Toledo, you know, we kind of sit right on like the border of Ottawa Hills. So, you know, you bring a kid to campus and you just loop them around through Ottawa Hills being like, yeah, this is what Toledo's like and all these fancy old mansions and all these really great houses and stuff. And it's, you know, here's Inverness right here, you know, pretty much right next to Ottawa Hills. So you'd show everyone there. Um, what were the other two? You said Holland. Um, Holland and Northwood. Yeah. I don't even know if I call Holland really a suburb necessarily. I mean, I, I guess it kind of is, but ultimately I, I would maybe, if you want to get off the grid and kind of have plenty of land and do, you know, kind of your, your own stuff and be able to light off fireworks and do your bonfires and stuff, I'd probably pick Northwood and then I'll maybe put Holland at the bottom just because I don't really know what Holland is. So that's, <laughs> that's maybe where I'll put it. If I'm offending people of Holland, they can get at me later. <laughs> I, I hope I got, I hope the people of Holland come at you hard. <laughs> um, all right, let's go back to the start Toledo. Uh, do you know when Toledo was founded? Uh, Toledo had to have been 
it had to have been like the early 1800s. There was this great Toledo war, which was basically between the state of Ohio and Michigan, basically decide who, who gets Toledo. Pretty that's, much. So that's, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So I'm going off of the, also a little bit, it had to be around the 1800s because Perrysburg itself, we were, we were a focus of the war of 1812 with Commodore Perry. We have the Commodore Perry statue. That's what Perrysburg is named after. So again, deep cuts for the, for my Perrysburg folk. eighteen thirty three you're exactly right toledo uh was wrapped up in the michigan ohio war uh you know the the michigan ohio state football game the big rivalry between the colleges i think it stems from from the great toledo war of 1837 which is fascinating and as you said uh there was kind of the toledo strip where toledo sits the very northern part of ohio off of lake erie on the maumee river and there were Michigan wanted to claim it. Ohio wanted to claim it. And it went to Congress. Eventually, uh, Andrew Jackson got involved and the, the compromise in the end was Ohio would take the Toledo strip and Michigan would get most of the, what is now the upper peninsula of Michigan. Got it, so got it. yeah, there you go. You know, it's, it's, you, you hit on the football rivalry right there. You know, we're, we're right in the war zone of Michigan and Ohio state fans in Toledo, you know, like we're, we're actually in Toledo, you're closer geographically to Ann Arbor, but being from Ohio, you think you have more Ohio state fans and everything. So I remember actually real sports with Brian Gumble came to my high school and really wanted to get a bunch of videos of, you know, Michigan and Ohio state fans sitting at cafeteria tables together, you know, in Toledo, we had these, these Buckeye and Wolverine stores, one half is all scarlet and gray. The other half is all maize and blue. I mean, even at the rodeo two nights ago, you know, my family, uh, there's, they had their like fan of the night. The guy comes down and they're like, what state are you from? And they said, Michigan. And the entire Ohio section just booed galore. Like I was like, come on people. Like let's, let's <laughs> just because the dude's from Michigan doesn't mean he's a bad dude, but you know, we're right. Like I said, we're right in that war zone where we, uh, I think that, that, uh, that Michigan Ohio war is definitely still raging itself in Toledo a little bit. And I, you're exactly right. What, what would you estimate? I, you know, in your mind, what was the split between Ohio State and Michigan fans? Is is it pretty close to 50-50 in the kind of Toledo, but even more in that northwest Ohio area? Yeah, it's still it's still pretty split pretty 50-50. You know, it's 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 definitely a point of contention. It's definitely not like a heated rivalry, but it's definitely like, you know, there there's some very, very polite chat. Oh, you're a Michigan fan. Oh, you're an Ohio fan. We don't like you already, you know, and uh, stuff like that. So it, it's there. It's not it's not like a diehard cutthroat, you know, or anything. But, um, yeah, it's it, it's definitely still alive. And I I'd say it's a pretty even split where we are. What, so I, I find it really interesting. Toledo, where it sits, uh, it, it actually sits within 250 miles of seven metro areas of over 2 million people. So you have Detroit, obviously the closest, Cleveland, just across the, the turnpike, uh, Columbus, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Chicago. Where does, did you grow up a Detroit sports fan? How, how were your uh, allegiances shaped? Because I feel like people can go so many different ways when you're sitting in the middle of that many major cities. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, you're right. You know, we get, we're definitely a melting pot of professional sports. So I, I grew up my favorite sport growing up because I grew up in the nineties. I was a huge Indians fan, you know, you're okay, the mid nineties sure. teams with Jim Tomey, Albert Bell, you know, Carlos Baerga, Omar Vizquel, you know, I, I still watch the documentaries on occasion of 95 and 97 and dealing with those heartbreaks and, you know, uh, 
I remember going to games where we were literally sitting in the last row of the stadium because we were selling out every night. So I, I, my allegiance goes that way. I would say baseball is probably mostly Indians. You get a little bit of Tigers. There's not a lot of Cincinnati fans in uh, Northwest Ohio. Yeah. So uh, we, we, we don't go for your Reds or your Bengals too often. Uh, my dad and my family, they were big, big Browns fans, obviously growing up. But mm-hmm. uh, when I was growing up mid nineties, that's when the Browns didn't exist. So I, uh, I, I didn't really have a fandom for, for Cleveland Browns. And my dad was kind of one of those people that once the Browns left, he's like, I'm never watching Cleveland football again. So wow. uh, ultimately, ultimately, you know, you've, you, you with, those have definitely started to come back, you know, a little bit in Northwest Ohio, but yeah, you have a lot of Detroit fans here. Cause again, you can be in downtown Detroit and just over an hour there um, as a fair weather football fan. I, 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 uh, I hitched my wagon to Peyton Manning's Colts there for a while. Uh, so that was definitely, definitely sure. a fair weather phantom. Um, you got a lot of, a lot of Detroit fans, a lot of Red Wings fans for hockey and everything. Um, our, our two local minor league teams in Toledo, um, the, uh, Toledo Walleye and the Toledo Mud Hens. Uh, the Mud Hens are AAA for the Tigers, so you get a lot of Tigers Tigers players doing their rehab starts in Toledo. So that's where I think you get a lot of a lot of Tigers fans here. And same with the uh, same with the Toledo Walleye. They were hooked up with the Red Wings and the Blackhawks there for a little while. So, but they they're much further down the down the down the ladder from there. So yeah, you've got a weird a weird melting pot of professional sports. We randomly have a bunch of Steelers fans, you know. Oh, they're they're um, they're a disease. They're everywhere though. You know, we don't need to talk a ton about uh, yeah. it, but I do like I, I kind of understand it because again, you the connection from Miami University, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's from Northwest Ohio too. So I think we've got some some still Steelers people out there that are rooting for rooting for Big Ben out in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Ben's from from Finley, which is up that way for sure. Um, <laughs> well, let me ask you about this. Okay, so you did you go to Perrysburg High School? Yeah, I was public school my my uh, my whole upbringing coming up. So um, a lot of the school system in Northwest Ohio is actually is actually pretty pretty good. You know, when you power ranked our um, our neighborhoods here, you know, we've got. No, a lot no, of you good... power ranked America. Okay, you power okay, ranked. Okay, okay, okay. I power ranked. <laughs> but, but honestly, like all of our education systems are all pretty good because uh, Bowling Green State University, which is not far from here, you know, education is one of their biggest, you know, uh, majors there, and they do a really good job. So we have a lot of a lot of really good teachers in Northwest Ohio. So that's, uh, yeah, I grew up public schooled in Perrysburg, Perrysburg School District. Okay. What, what are, what are the big is I, I got to think Perrysburg was division one, which is the biggest division in Ohio. What, what are those like um, the, the big kind of athletically dominant schools up that way? Uh, so there's the Catholic conference that we got in, uh, in Toledo area, which has your, your St. John's Jesuit. You got St. Oh, yeah. Francis uh, up there. You've got uh, central Catholic, which had, which had a lot of uh, really good players that go out of there. Uh, there's the Women's Catholic League, which has St. Ursula, which actually has a one of the star basketball players for South Carolina came from either St. Ursula or one of the other uh, schools there in uh, the Catholic Women's League that's in uh, Northwest Ohio. But, you know, those city league schools kind of rule. Uh, my mine Perrysburg, we were in the it was called the Northern Lakes League. I think it's changed since then. But, uh, yeah, we were Division One. But being from Toledo, you know, we didn't have the same powerhouses that the Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati's, you know, had there. And so I actually remember my senior year, we we won our where we were undefeated. We ranked top 10 in the state. We were still in Division One playing with all the huge, you know, the Cincinnati Mullers and all the, you know, yeah. the huge schools out in Cleveland, Columbus and stuff. And so we qualified for the state service the first time we've ever made it. And, you know, I, I, 
I think it's like only like top eight teams or something make it into the end in the Ohio, you know, final state finals, you know, or whatever. So we get matched up. We get matched up first round against a, uh, a school from out in Cleveland. Their quarterbacks going Mac. They've got a wide receiver that's going Big Ten and a couple other guys. And I remember literally first play of the game is, you know, they set up shotgun formation. First team we've seen in shotgun formation all year. You know, they just run like a basic <laughs> slant route to their stud wide receiver. Their quarterback six foot five can see over everybody, throws a just a standard, you know, eight yard slant wraps their receiver. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Decent gate. And this dude just starts running and running and running <laughs> and takes off like first play of the game, 80 yard touchdown run. And I was like, Holy smokes. These teams from these other schools are really, really good. <laughs> um, so, so needless to say, we couldn't quite match up with all of those, you know, powerhouse schools with the three big C's, but uh, actually most of the schools in Northwest Ohio are now dumped down into the, into the next lower division, which I think really, really helps us out at least a little bit, but I think those still those big time Catholic schools. They've got a lot of, a lot of, uh, they're still in the big div- division one conference and they've got a lot of guys that go on to play, play college sports from those, uh, from those strong Catholic schools we got. Yeah. I, I always, um, I think Toledo is a sneaky, even Northwest Ohio more, more broadly is, is a very good, uh, basketball area. I, I, I think of it more in terms of, or I guess I just know, maybe more examples of, of some really good basketball players coming out of that area, maybe more so than, than football yeah, is how so I associate it. I'd say it's probably a little bit bigger there. We've definitely had some bigger names come out of Northwest Ohio from, you know, I, I it, like you, I grew up, I mean, with a last name like hoops, you have to play basketball. My dad was a basketball. My dad was actually coach hoops, a basketball coach. So like it was, it was, it was a necessity to play hoops, you know, for us, but I grew up right in like the sweet spot of, uh, the really, really good Ohio State teams. Like, I remember playing AAU ball against uh, Aaron Kraft, against John oh, Diebler, sure. against <laughs> yeah. uh, William Buford, you know, like, and all those guys are Northwest Ohio, you know, kind of kind of guys there. Uh, watching watching John Diebler in high school was one of the most impressive things I ever seen. He broke all the high school scoring records. He went to Upper Sandusky High School. Yeah, that's like, right. It was literally, he averaged 40 points a game and their team averaged like 45 points a game. You know, it was, he was the tallest dude on the floor and he could shoot. So he just would literally like, it'd be four corners, he'd do it and either he'd drive the lane or he'd stop and pull up a three in a guy's face and hit it and score 40 points a night. Yeah, he was pretty unstoppable. Uh, yeah, I want to say he, <laughs> he, in his career, it's something crazy, like 3000 points, maybe, maybe even more than that. You know, it's, it's somewhere it's like, Oh my God, that's, that's, that's nuts. Yeah, It's, it's stupid. And I remember too, actually, when um, I grew up, I was pretty much, I think the exact same age as Aaron Kraft. And it was a huge, huge deal when Aaron Kraft decided to stop playing football to play mm. basketball, you know, it was, it was, it was big Northwest Ohio news because the, the high school he went to Liberty Benton high school, they were like a powerhouse, smaller school, but they had won multiple state championships with him playing quarterback. And then he announced he wasn't going to play his senior year and everyone was freaking out. And then they figured out, well, he's going to go play point guard at Ohio state. So I think he'll, <laughs> he'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the, uh, I assume also you played high school golf, of course. What's talk to me about the golf scene up, up in Northwest Ohio. Uh, and, and obviously Inverness is, I would assume the crown jewel in, in that area. Yeah, obviously, you know, having a having a top 50 course in the country, you know, it's, it, it's kind of hard to beat that, you know, especially with a metropolitan area like we have. But, you know, the golf scene in Toledo kind of goes along with just the the economy of Toledo as a whole. You know, you mentioned, it, we, you know, we were found in 1850s, but really during like the Great Depression, that's when kind of Toledo found their heyday and they really started to 
you know, that's when we had, you know, Glass City. That's when we started to have all of our all of our glass plants. You know, we had a decent automotive industry in, you know, Northwest Ohio with General Motors and Jeep and everything. And uh, downtown Toledo, there were a lot of, you know, Fortune 500 companies down there in, you know, the early, mid-1900s. And so a lot of them just built these golf courses in and around the Toledo area. So we've got in Toledo area, there's, you know, five or six, you know, decent private clubs that were basically built during that time. And that was their spot to, you know, entertain their guests. Obviously, if you were the Inverness member, you were kind of the cream of the crop above everyone else. Again, the Ottawa Hills of people of, uh, of Toledo, they were the members of Inverness, but, you know, um, there's, you know, five or six other really, really decent private clubs all around in the suburbs. Like my family, we grew up playing Belmont country club. That's Rama. I'm from originally, you have Sylvania, you've got Sylvania Country Club and Highland Meadows, where obviously the LPGA is every year, which is a great, you know, private club up there. You've got Toledo Country Club kind of in the heart of the city a little bit more. It sits right along uh, the Maumee River. They've got three holes that you play like right along the Maumee River. They're three of the coolest holes in, in, uh, in Toledo. And then you got Stone Oak, which is in a subdivision. Oh, Stone Oak. That's where Holland is, actually. OK, so Holland. Uh, <laughs> I put Holland. Uh, yeah, I'd still. Yeah. You put I maybe it fit. Put above, I, yeah, no, I maybe put it above North, but it's just they're so different. Northwoods, the middle, sure. like Northwoods, if you want to have land and do something like Northwood, okay. If you want to join a golf course and have a golf course in your backyard, yeah, go to Holland because then you can walk out your back door and that's where you'll find the fairways of, of Stone Oak. But ultimately, like I said, like there's there's all these other golf courses that are there in the Toledo area that over the last, you know, ever since the, the economy at Toledo kind of turned down and all these Fortune 500 companies left, you know, a lot of these country clubs really hurt and for, for membership, for money and every and everything. And a lot of them were, were close to shutting down. And um, a lot of them went semi-private, a couple of them went public, a couple of them, you know, are, are still public after that. But, you know, there's a, now with not just the last year, but just the last 10 years of seeing Toledo kind of get itself, get itself back up on its feet and having, you know, some more industry pop up and some more, more good jobs in Toledo open up. A lot of these country clubs are starting to find a, find their footing again and everything. And uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of really good, really fun private golf courses around Toledo that, you know, I think that I agree. It's a little bit of an underrated golf scene in that, Again, you have amazing clubs in Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati. You know, you've got all these really, really high-end private clubs and stuff where it's like you have some clubs in Toledo that you could really easily join in Toledo and it only costs you, you know, a couple thousand bucks of initiation and, you know, you wouldn't be paying an arm and a leg and uh, all of your monthly dues every single month and get a chance to play a lot of golf because it's, uh, it's, a, little bit, it's a little bit slower place. There's not quite as many members and, you know, all those other clubs, they're not pushing to get major tournaments and everything like that, or big time state events. You know, it's, if you really just wanted to play a lot of golf, you know um, you could really easily join a club here that doesn't have too many members. You don't have to spend an arm and a leg. Like uh, my old club Belmont, I've got a bunch of high school buddies that joined it uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, it was every single day after work, meet on the tee is five 30 being on the West end of the Eastern time zone, you know, in the middle of summer, it stays late till 10 at 10 PM. You know, you can get 18 holes in after work if you really, really feel like moving it. So yeah, very underrated golf scene in Toledo. I think that uh, a lot of people, a lot of people would discover some pretty, pretty fun golf courses to play up there. Obviously if you can get out on Inverness, it's unbelievable, but even just the other ones are, are well worth seeing. Did you grow up going to um, the LPGA event? The, oh yeah it was oh, yeah. the marathon the the you know it's it's been a few different names but um, yeah it's changed it, it felt like every three years it was a different name but it was always a great event 
and you know they they've done a great job in Toledo of really getting the top players to play. Like well, I shouldn't say Repock for all those years, she kind of mm-hmm. dominated it for a while. Annika would show up every year. Um, because I work at Inverness, we would always every year we'd have a pro am at Inverness, you know, oh, nice. before the before there. So that's where I got to meet a lot of LPGA pros. Like I got to I got to meet Nancy Lopez, one of the greatest, you know, women's golfers of all time. She's one of the friendliest people of all time, too. Um, I always remember the first time I met Paula Creamer. I was in love at first sight. Like I thought she was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like it, it, it was, it, they do a great job of, you know, tying in the community uh, to the, to the tournament. I think they really show out for their, for their event every single year. And um, I'm really, really excited. Like I said, to see the Solheim cup, cause I think it's going to have kind of that, that atmosphere that Des Moines had a couple of years ago and that it's like, all right, this is our major. We're going to, we're going to blow it out. And it's going to be nice and nice and rowdy there. Cause it already is a, a pretty, a pretty strong and healthy golf community too. What uh, just going and you know, caddying and, and playing Inverness, what type of game do you think it, it most suits? And, and I know that some work has been done to Inverness, so I, I'm not sure how familiar you are like post uh, restoration renovation, but uh, so like that's, yeah, so actually my last round caddying there um, was when I was done at the University of Toledo, and it was literally the last day it was open until when they were going to basically blow up the place, you know. Um, and I had always thought for the longest time that at like at Inverness that it wasn't it wasn't ready to host, you know, a big time event or it couldn't hold up to PGA Tour pros and everything like that. And then um, and then we had the NCAAs there in 2012, I believe the year was or it might've been earlier than that. It was the first year they did match play basically for the, for the, uh, for that. And so I was always like, guys are going to tear this place up. They're going to, you know, got like winning score is going to be 10, 12 under, you know, and uh, it's going to, it's not going to show out very good, but then ultimately, you know, get the greens up, you get the rough up a little bit, you get on the wrong sides of the hole. All of a sudden you start making bogeys and everything. And I ultimately remember I, that, uh, Matt Hill won individually and he only won at like two, three under. And I was like, holy smokes, like this is really kind of holding up to a, to a really, really strong high level college golfers. You know, that was, that was Ricky Fowler senior year. You had a powerhouse at Oklahoma state that year. You had Georgia that year that had, again, that was the Brian Harmon team. And you know, all those guys that are on tour right now. Uh, I think that was a Harris English team too. I can't remember if he was on, he was on that one. Uh, But ultimately um yeah like seeing it kind of hold up to kind of those type of players made me realize you know what i think that this actually it, it can hold its own on a on a golf run that was before they did this this redesign so um i left for a couple of years i coached here you know at uh, loyola for a couple of years and we were we were headed over to a tournament at dayton and so i called it into the pro shop i was like hey can i just get my guys out there i haven't seen the place for you know four or five years since they did the redesign i was expecting to be impressed by the place I was blown away you know yeah. just the, uh, the the little changes that they made you know when I left and when they started the renovation they said we're just going to touch a couple bunkers and expand a couple <laughs> greens there wasn't the whole we're going to make three new holes or you know right. take out all these trees reroute the course and everything and I was I was blown away by it and um, ultimately you know the kind of the type of player that I think is going to is going to play really well at it and again this is you guys obviously say it all the time. I think it's going to be great to watch LPGA players versus PGA players because it's not going to be ball coming through the air. You know, the some of the new holes that they put in, you know, you got much more run-ups into greens and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you got more hole locations that you can stick off in corners that definitely didn't exist, you know, when I was a caddy there and everything. And I think that 
it's just going to, it, it's going to play like an old style Donald Ross design. And that I think you're just going to have to really think your way around the golf course a little bit. If you can hit fairways, it's going to help you control it around the greens and keep it on the right side of the hole and everything like that. You're going to have to be patient and decide the times that it's the right time to take on a flag stick. Make sure you got, got a good number that you can hold the green, you know, at that point. Um, I'm not sure if Toledo is the same way that, uh, Chicago's been, but we've had a very, very dry summer in Chicago, which Toledo normally gets a pretty similar, similar climate to uh, Northwest Ohio. So I'm hoping it's playing firm and fast this week because I think it'd be a really, 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 really good setup. You know, you're gonna you're gonna catch some interesting breaks around Inverness because there's definitely a lot of the landing zones of tee balls. There's that ravine that runs through the entire golf right. course that you definitely get some weird, weird bounces and hops and things. And that remember Caddy and out there, a guy hits a tee ball right down the middle and he's quick tee pick up that's going to be good right and i was like i gotta wait till it hits the ground and then it hits the ground kicks it dead left you know on on 13 you know right in that landing zone you know you have no idea where that ball is going to end up on that par five and so i think it's going to be it's going to be a ton of fun to watch i think it's going to be an awesome match play golf course because you've got all those great par fours on the back nine and everything that you know where you put put in the right spot off the tee you can attack into tee into into some greens and stuff but I, I, it's like I said, I'm really, really excited to kind of see how it's going to play now that it's kind of kind of after the redesign. They kind of got a preview again a little bit two years ago at the U.S. Junior. Um, I, I wasn't able to make it out and watch it, but I definitely heard a lot of a lot of boots on the ground telling me that it was a it was a really, really good test for them, too. And so I think it's a, it's going to be a fun week. Again, it's going to it's going to be a great match play course. And again, it's not just because of all the things I said about the great par fours and the golf course itself, but just the property itself, the fact yeah. that holes run parallel to each other and everything's kind of right on top of each other or they've got like one big grandstand that's going to be out there on like 12, seven, like kind of like that like 17 break. Is that kind of where it's at? It's, um, Oh God. Yeah. It's, um, so there's a big 10, it's like 11 is 12, a par three. Yeah, twelve is the short part three. The, the yeah, so so it's going to be in that area. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, you, so you got a bunch of open space. Right there's there like a par five the, on the yep. front. I think that you can see. Um, yeah, there's eight. You'll be seven green, eight T. You'll be seventeen T's right there. Sixteen yeah, green exactly. coming in. You got yep. yeah. So like again, took out all the trees there and everything, and sitting in that grandstand, you're going to be able to see half the golf course and. Like I, said, I think it'll be cool with the, you know, the back and forth holes on the back nine, you know, like you'll have, hopefully, you know, people make the big putt and give a, give a wave to the person at the green sitting right next to yes. them and everything. So, um, you know, how Sutton said it when the senior open was here, like he said, he's like, this would be a great Ryder cup track, you know? And so I think Solheim cup is test number one. And I hope they, they do pull the trigger on a Ryder cup, hopefully too, eventually if, uh, well, I guess it's the PGA deciding, but. Hopefully they don't have their Ryder Cup venues hooked up till 2050 or yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which they, they probably do. Um, the uh, I, I just wanted to, I was looking that up when you were talking about it. I, you know, I, I think this was probably pre-golf channel days, but that NCAA championship was in 2009 at Inverness. You're exactly right. Yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt yeah. Hill won at three under and uh, Texas A&M defeated Arkansas in the, in the team yeah, championship. So one of the coolest things I've ever seen on a golf course was that it was that final match. So it was uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas, and they're coming down the stretch, the final four holes. Uh, Bronson Burkoon from Arkansas is up. Um, I think he's up like three with four to play and literally loses uh, 15, 16, 17. And they're staying on the 18th tee all square for the national championship. <laughs> 
this dude, this dude was a seat like Bronson was a senior. And I think he was playing a freshman or a sophomore or whatever. And 18, the dude from Arkansas at first hits it right down the middle. Perfect spot. Burgoon blows it way right. Like just off the planet. Right. There's those three bunkers away up on the right that are not even in play. I don't even know if you ever noticed them, but he hit it right of those with like a hybrid or whatever. And I'm, I'm watching this and I'm like, dude, this guy's never gonna be able to touch a club again. Like he's like, he's going to be scarred for life out of this. You know, I, like I, I feel for this, this is like the hardest thing I've ever had to watch. And so he's up here on this Hill. He's got, you know, the pins like middle left on 18. He hits a wedge that lands just over the front bunker, the toy bunker that's right there. Just, funnels up the slope on the right and just starts tracking right towards the hole. And I like look back at him and he's just running, screaming at him like, go, go, go. And it winds up probably two, three inches from the hole, like literally going in. He chucks his bag down on the ground and says, <laughs> let's go. And his entire like team is tackling him like in the fairway, basically. Kid from Arkansas, it's like 20 feet, misses the putt, and Bergoon taps in his, his birdie pro to uh, to win the national championship. And I just was like, whoa, scenes. And like, yeah, uh, ultimately, you know, when you look back at, not just that NCAA championship, but Inverness just in general with the majors that they've had, like we're, we're pretty historic for pretty great finishes. And I think that that goes in with the great back nine with all those different par fours that, you know, you can make a bogey just as easy as you can make a birdie. And then 18, just being, you, you can play 18 different ways and, you know, that not necessarily one's the right one, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's given us nothing but great finishes. So I think I saw the Solheim Cup, they're playing 18 as nine. So I'm thankful that they're going to get to see that hole a little bit, yes. a little bit more. So, um, yeah, but, uh, I, I, as much fun as matches coming down to 18 could be, you know, I'm glad that that hole is going to get some spotlight because again, it's, a, it's just proof of a great, great short par four. Yeah. 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 God, I, you got me excited. Um, this will be my first <laughs> Solheim cup. I, we're going to have myself, Tron, Solly, DJ all there. Uh, Solly and I got to, and I know Tron's played Inverness prior, but Solly and I went out last month and, and got to play it with, uh, Pat Hurst, actually Captain Hurst. Yeah. And it was so, it was so mis. It was like, probably you were saying how dry it's been. It's probably been like the stretch of like the only wet stretch of the summer maybe, but it was, it was so wet. It was like raining most of our round, but still the, the course like shown through all of that. It, it was, it was really, really good. So I, yeah, I think it will like, show really well on TV too. I think the weather is supposed to be really good this weekend. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be a, a great spotlight for, for women's golf and Inverness too. Yeah, for sure. I'm not, it's like, I said, I'm really, really excited. We're at a tournament in Indiana next weekend. So I'm a little bit, little bit if that I may not get to watch too much golf, but if my guys see me and I'm on my phone watching what looks like TV, it's because yeah. I'm, I'm really just turning it, tuning into this whole cup. To, uh, there you go. Try to see him just a little bit more. Well, let me, uh, I want to ask you a little bit about your coaching. I first, um, I, I've probably buried the lead here. I, I should have mentioned this right from the start. You're coming off one of the best seasons in school history. You guys won the first team Missouri Valley Conference title in your program history. You were named coach of the year. Uh, talk to me about what it's like being a, a college golf coach and and how early did you know that was, you know, the path that you wanted to go? Uh, yeah, you know, when I, uh, like I said, I grew up Northwest Ohio. Um, my prerequisite for playing college golf is anywhere outside of Northwest Ohio. I, okay. just, I wanted to see something different. So I was recruited by Loyola. It seemed like a great fit, you know, for, as a school and as a, 
as a as a golf opportunity. Had a great four years when I was at, when I was there. We won a conference championship my senior year, and um, and once I kind of got done coaching, I'll I'll admit I was a little bit intimidated by the business world of Chicago, you know. Yeah. And um, I was an accounting major at Loyola, and so we'd have you know, the, the first week of classes, you'd have the meeting where like, what'd you do all summer? And everyone's, I interned for Deloitte. I interned for KBMG. And I was like, <laughs> I caddied all summer and helped with some junior golf camps and stuff like that. So I ultimately, I, 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 I didn't think I'd get a job in one of the best job markets in the country. So that's just how stupid I was as a 22 year old. But ultimately, uh, the university at Toledo was looking for a graduate assistant coach. And so I was like, you know what? Hey, I got a chance to, uh, to delve into this coaching world, which seemed kind of interesting to me. Obviously, I love college golf. I love just the team atmosphere of golf and um, had a great four years at Loyola. And so I uh, I thought that'd be a great opportunity for me to, you know, see if I, I, I enjoy this coaching thing. If not, I fall back on an MBA. Hopefully I can find a job in Toledo, you know, or wherever else I, I, I want to go after that and uh, kind of go from there. But you know, I, I dug in all I could in those two years at Toledo and just fell in love with coaching. And then um, I, I wanted to find any job I could once I was done with my graduate assistant position. And um, I found a job at St. Bonaventure University sure. in Western New York. Um, every bit the middle of nowhere is St. Bonaventure University sounds. But, you know, it was a, it was a great opportunity to build a program in, uh, in Western New York, kind of the, the, the middle of nowhere. And I had a decent coaching style, a decent, you know, uh, a decent recruiting path and had a, had a couple good guys come in and create a decent program there. And uh, the athletic director that hired me at uh, St. Bonaventure actually took over at Loyola as the athletic director. So when he when he called me and said, hey, I'm looking for a golf coach. Do you want to do it? I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd love to come mm -hmm. back to your to your alma mater and just have a chance to uh, to build a cool program there. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, I tell a lot of people kind of my career path on that front. And I'm like, you can make a Disney movie out of my career path and you get to the end of it and be like, that's not how the real world works. You know, like that just that just, that's just not how it happens, you know. So, um, yeah, I've been here at Loyola for five or six years, you know, and um, we're coming up on I'm starting year six here shortly um, when my AD hired me. You know, I said, hey, give me like five years. Hopefully we have this program where we want to want to be with my recruits and how we're how we're going to operate. And um you can you can game plan and goal orient yourself all you want when you get to the end of five years and be like, holy crap, we actually we actually got her done, boys. <laughs> you know, it was a it was a it was a really really fun year. And so um, ultimately, yeah, it was a it was a crazy year. Obviously, with the whole COVID shutdown and everything, we had a great right. we had a great year last season, and then got shut down kind of out of nowhere in the middle of our in the middle of our spring season before we were ready to do our conference championship. But in some ways, it just made my guys hungrier to work that much harder over that next year and. Uh, hopefully take advantage of the opportunity we had and um, yeah, got her done at an MVC championship that we got to host in Chicago, played in the postseason, got to make it to NCAA regionals and um, say what you want about the COVID year of, you know, all these athletes getting extra years, how it did kind of make a mess of the recruiting process, but it made it an easy process for me when you have a good team. It's, Hey, do you guys want a year? You, you, use year number five here because I'm ready to run it back. So we've got, yeah. we've got everybody coming back pretty much from that team next year. And so now we're hopefully, hopefully going to make another run at a Missouri Valley championship. And now we, uh, now we know what that postseason feels like. We know how regionals feels and hopefully we can, we can make a deeper run in the postseason this next year. How uh, that's fantastic. And again, congratulations. I am really curious in, in golf specifically, how do you go about the recruiting and what, what do you look for um, in, in terms of 
you know, skill set, mindset, uh, makeup. And, and how do you think that differs maybe from other coaches in, in similar positions to yours? Yeah. So it's, there's kind of two different levels, you know, of recruiting. There's, there's the high end level of your, you know, your biggest schools of the country, you know, your Texas's, your Alabama's, your Stanford's, your Auburn's and everything like that. And that, you know, you're just looking for the best possible golfers out there and you offer them full rides and, you know, you hopefully, hopefully you impress them enough that you're going to be able to, to get them and make runs at national championships. But then you've got, you know, most of the rest of college golf, which is like, you know, schools like us that, you know, we're the mid-major type of programs that, you know, we're not, we're not going after those top 100 recruits, those top 200 recruits, you know, if you look at, you know, scoring averages, obviously like, you know, those guys are averaging 70s, 69, 68, you know, and all their, in all their high school events and all their, you know, junior events they're playing in the summers. And then you've got us, you know, you've got a lot of these mid-major schools that, you know, we're looking at guys that average between 72 and 75. And across the country, there's thousands, of those, you know, like there's, <laughs> yeah, there's thousands yeah. of them. And so it's just really looking a little bit closer at like, you know, what you really got to look at. What are your strengths as a coach? Where do you feel like, you know, you can most help a player when he comes in and helps you? You know, if I'm getting a kid that's averaging 74 in his junior career. How can I get that down to 72, 71? Is it does he need a game plan around the course better? Hey, he needs to get better at his wedges. You know, where can I, where can I really develop that talent? And hopefully, you know, by the end of four years, we have him competing with, you know, those, those top level players, you know, um, again, those top level schools, they're getting guys that are, that are ready to play borderline professional golf as freshmen, you know, right away. And so mm-hmm. um, when those guys are recruiting them, it's, it's similar to the basketballs and the footballs, you know, you may only have them for one or two years, you know, so they better be ready to play right when they step on campus. Whereas a school like us, you know, it's, it's looking a little bit more at how we're going to develop those type of players. And so, you know, guys that I want here at Loyola, it's, they understand the Loyola culture that we are, you know, of not taking shortcuts of academics and everything. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to build you over four years. You're going to get your opportunities to get some bigger, better schools some bigger, better programs along the way. But, you know, ultimately you're going to have a lot of fun while you're here. You're going to compete, hopefully, at, you know, kind of the highest level. You're going to graduate in four years. If you turn player, that's great. Like I've had, you know, a handful that have in the, in the years past, but for a lot of guys, college golf is kind of it. So, you know, you just want to make sure that you're able to get the most out of it from them and you're able to give them the best experience because, um, no matter how far they take golf post-college, you know, whether it is turning pro or whether it's going out, you know, into the real world, you're never going to have that experience of, of college golf. You know, college golf is a four year golf buddies trip. Like that's really what it is. <laughs> if you look at the grand scheme of things. And so, uh, you just want to make sure that your student athletes are having a, having a really fun experience at a school. Like I said, like us here at Loyola, where you're going to get a great education when you graduate too. You're going to be living in a great city, the city of Chicago. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll have some competitive success while we're out there too. Where, where do you guys play? Do you have a home course in Chicago? <laughs> uh, that's the hardest part of my job is that, you know, we don't, being in a big city like we are, you know, we don't have one place that we go to every single day. You know, we hop around all over all over the city of Chicago. So uh, with where our campus is located, we're on the north end, uh, just about into Evanston, where Northwestern University is. So there's a lot of those North Shore private clubs that are up there right. that'll let us out, you know, once or twice a season. And, you know, the last three weeks of my job is just pulling out a calendar and being like, 
calling Lakeshore Country Club and being like, hey, can I get two tea times during the month of September at any point? Like, you just tell me we'll make it work. And so um, ultimately, like I said, it's been it, it's been good. It's kind of when I was a player, that's kind of how I wish we operated, you know, when I was here. And once I got started as a coach, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to call these places and say, hey, can I bring the team out once? If they tell me no, fine. I At least I asked. But at least, uh, uh, yeah, so now we've been able to have some good uh, some good relationships, some country clubs. Uh, the nice part of our basketball team, obviously having some success in recent years. Um, now, all of a sudden, all the Loyola members at these country clubs, they want to see us out there. They want, but they see us out there. They want their golf shirt. They want their golf bag. They want to sleep with balls, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, I'll get you a golf shirt. If you can get us a tee time, I'm in. <laughs> That's all we need. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been, it, it's been cool. It's uh, like I said, now, uh, five years into my coaching tenure, now we're finally operating how we want to from a practice perspective too. That we get to we get to see some cool ones around the city. Well, uh, Tron would be so mad at me if I didn't ask this question. Have you met Sister Jean? Absolutely, everybody knows Sister Jean, and that's uh that's been the craziest part of the last three years. Is like as a as a Loyola fan when I was here, you know, 2008 through 2012. You know, I was. Again, you were lucky if 50 students show up for a game, we'd be playing in front of a thousand people. Like I knew Sister Jean was because she was always around the athletics department and she was, you know, waiting at the campus shuttle, getting to know students and her office was in the student union and everything. And so like, I know she was, she got to know students and everything. And then to see fast forward 10 years, she's making it to the final four. She had the biggest press conference at the final four, you know, with 200 people in her like a waiting room to get into sister Jean's press conference. It just is like, wow. Now the entire world knows about us. Like we had known about her for forever as Loyola students, you know, everyone that's a Loyola grad has a sister Jean story. And now it's like, Holy cow. Now everybody knows the sister Jean story, but she's still great. We just celebrated her 102nd birthday last week. Amazing. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, she's, she's still sharp. She's still like, I, her office still is in like the heart of our student union. And like, you can just hop in and start talking to sister Jean. It's funny. Like you mentioned recruiting, you know, we have a recruiter on campus. If sister Jean is sitting in her office, you need to make sure that you go in and you, you have your conversation with sister Jean, get your photo op. Sister Jean normally at the end of it is like, so now you're committed, right? You know, you're like, you're, you're coming. It's over. You know, we, we just sealed the deal right there. So, um, yeah, she's amazing. And like I said, it's been it's been unbelievable to now know that the entire that the entire world knows about her, not just not just us, our Loyola family here. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this. Getting back to Toledo to finish. Uh, what, what do you think the biggest when, when you tell folks you're from Toledo or, you know, when you've when you've traveled about and, and talk about where you grew up? What, what do you think is the biggest misconception about Toledo that you've encountered? Um, it's like I said, I think that. A lot of people just think it's it, it's it's kind of second rate to the big three C's that are in um, that are that are in Ohio. You know, everyone's talking the, the I seventy one corridor. Exactly, exactly <laughs> the I seventy one corridor. You're one hundred percent correct. And so, but it's like I say, you can live in a spot like Toledo and have you know much more affordable housing. You've got great schools in Northwest Ohio. You mentioned it. We're within a couple hours of a ton of really cool metropolitan areas and everything. Like I said, when I went to Chicago, you know, my parents would find excuses anytime they could to head to, <laughs> to, head to Chicago to take us out to dinner and everything. And um, ultimately, it's it's like I said, it's a great spot now that I am of age, you know, and I'm 
I'm 30 years old. I'm married. I'm thinking about having kids and everything here recently. Like I, I get it. You know, it makes sense why my parents picked, you know, Northwest Ohio because they, it kind of checks all the boxes. You know, my parents, they're a golf family. So like they could join a country club and everything. And, uh, yeah, they could afford, my, my parents built our house and have lived there for 30 plus years, you know, and it was kind of, uh, my mom worked at a, uh, my mom worked at Arthur Anderson for 30 years, you know, and uh, obviously that's no longer there, but uh, ultimately, uh, that's another ultimately, story. Like said, yeah. That's a, that's a whole nother story. We can have another podcast about that one, but ultimately like, you know, it, it's a great spot to raise a family. There's a lot of stuff to do around town, good bars and restaurants. You've got, you know, a cool downtown life that's coming back with a, uh, um, with the two minor league teams that are there in downtown Toledo and everything. Are you guys going to make it to a Mudhens game or anything while you're in town? I was going to check the schedule. So I've been to some Mudhead games growing up. You know, my grandparents, we, and we've talked about this offline, but for folks listening, my, my dad was born outside of Toledo in Napoleon, which is where your dad, I, I, I think my dad and your dad probably – cross paths yeah, my dad, and, and I knew actually, each other we, at some point yeah when we were talking about doing this i asked my dad did you know did you know uh, your father and he said he totally remembers watching high school basketball <laughs> he said yeah he was really tall lanky dude and i was like well <laughs> apple doesn't fall far from the tree on that front so yeah <laughs> definitely definitely stays there so uh, uh yeah. so uh, yeah well so visiting my grandparents then we would go to some mud hens games and and we would do stuff in toledo um but i i guess i was going to ask you though for for I'm I'm leaving in two days to go to Toledo. This is very um, apropos for me, especially. Do you do you remember or talking to your family there in, in Jackson Hole? Are there any restaurants, bars that that we should uh, make sure to check out while we're in Toledo? Uh yeah. So I again. So like I said, the whole downtown scene is now like hopping. Like it used to be, it used to be kind of dead. Like you wouldn't really go into the city really for much except for to go to work. But now the mud ends moved their stadium, like right into the heart of downtown Toledo, right next door is the Seagate center, our convention center. And next door is the Huntington center where the Toledo walleye play. And just when those three stadiums open, all of these restaurants and bars and stuff opened up uh, right there. When I was in my two years back in Toledo as a graduate assistant, I've lived, right off the left field fence of the, of the new mud end stadium. And oh, nice. I always remember my first, my first Friday night living there. Um, I was just watching TV or whatever, not thinking anything of it. I knew there was a ball game going on, but 1030 rolls around. And I just hear the loudest explosions I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, <laughs> what on earth is going on? Like, is the building collapsing? I go outside and look at the end of our hallway and this fireworks night on Friday night. And not only like our fireworks going off on the street outside, like I am at eye level with the fireworks that are going, <laughs> that are going on outside on our street. So ultimately, like I said, there's a lot of really good bars and restaurants down there. A couple good breweries that opened up just recently. Um, the Blarney is kind of where you want to go to really like turn up and see some live music and stuff. But ultimately, uh, they opened up some other ones that are on the other side that are all off the right field fence. It's called Hensville over there now. They've got a couple of really good rooftop bars that are over there that are cool. Again, if there's a game going on, you can watch the game down there. But um, ultimately, I think like the Mud Ends and the Walleye, they did a really, really good job with their staffing because they figured out a perfect system where they can offer full-time jobs to, you know, sport management people that can do both. So they can do, mm -hmm. they can do hockey in the winter and they can do stuff in the summer. And so that's why, 
they have a lot of good marketing schemes. They're the ones that do the crazy Jersey nights and everything. Like they're almost always like, if you look closely, you'll notice it's a lot of times it's Toledo Walleye or Toledo Mud Ends that are doing those two. But anyways, back to restaurants. So <laughs> downtown, downtown's a good spot. Uh, my favorite spot in downtown when I lived there, it wasn't like in the heart of downtown, but if you walk across the river, um, uh, if you walk across the river, there's a spot, it's called Mommy Bay Brewing Company. Uh, again, brew their own beers and stuff over there. They're, uh, they're a total eclipse breakfast stout is still one of my favorite beers of all time. Uh, it's like, a, it's, it's a heavy beer. It's one of those 10% ones, but you get that and a plate of chicken and waffles and you're good for the night. Um, so they've got a, it's a really, really good bar and restaurant there. Uh, they've got a steakhouse in there called the Oliver house. Um, that's again, a, a really, really good spot. Um, the other, the other restaurant group that everyone kind of knows about in Northwest Ohio is, uh, Mancy's. So, uh, my, my mother actually knows him fairly well. Gus Mancy kind of manages most of the ones. So he's got kind of a chain of restaurants all across uh, the Toledo area. The steakhouse that he has, Mancy Steakhouse is phenomenal. Like I'm a, it, it's still one of my favorite steakhouses that I've ever been to, which is a lot saying the Chicago steakhouses I've been to too, but there's no, like a Mancy Steakhouse is still pretty good. They've got, He's got an Italian spot. He's got also uh, a barbecue spot. I believe it's called Shorty's. So kind of all around the city, you know, Gus Mancy, he's got, he's got some good restaurants all around. Uh, everybody talks about Tony Paco's uh, in Northwest Ohio. If you've ever been to a Tony Paco's, you've got your Hungarian style food. You can get a really good Hungarian style hot dog with chili and everything on top of it. Again, that's something that just, I just, I need to take a stop at when I'm here in, uh, when I'm, when I go back to Toledo. The other place that, again, not not a not a dinner eatery, but a post a post dinner eatery, uh, shouting out Perrysburg, and there's another one actually up by Inverness. So I'll make sure it's called Mister Freeze. Um, it's an ice cream spot. Oh, uh, if you go straight, if you beautiful. go straight down, exactly. If you go straight down Door Street from Inverness, going the opposite way from downtown, uh, it's it's like one turn off of that in. Oh my gosh, it's also in Holland too. Holland's moving up, by the way. There's also <laughs> Mister Freeze in Holland, but anyways, uh, so um, uh, yeah. It's uh, called Mr. Freeze. They've got all the Sundays in the world. You can get a quart size milkshake for like $2. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, it, let's just say it, it'll be the end of your night if you really, if you really decide to so, do it. But uh, there's, there's, that, yes, no, sorry. There's nothing Solly and I like more to end the night on a road than a, than a good ice cream stop. So he and I will for sure. for sure be hitting up Mr. Freeze this week. Perfect. Perfect. I, I love to see a review. Uh, my dad, the turtle Sunday from uh, Mr. Freeze is still his favorite, his favorite ice cream he's ever, he's ever had. So awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I know you got stuff to do with your family. Is there anything that, that I have missed or I haven't asked you about that we need to talk about before I let you go, Eric? So there's one Toledo story about the Toledo mud ends that I wanted to bring up. Because okay. It's, your, it's, it's also your favorite. Um, it's also your favorite golfer of all time about Phil. Have you done okay. your research for Phil and the Toledo Mud Ends? No, no, this is a new story. Oh my me. gosh! Oh my. Well, gosh. no, no, no. You mean pitching? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. <laughs> Tell me about this. Yeah, yeah. That, now yeah, that you yeah. say so it, it yes, like, of course. It was like mid two thousands. You know, Phil is you know in the prime of his career or whatever, and then there's all this news that Phil is coming to the Toledo Mud Ends. This is when like the new stadium just opened up. So in hindsight, obviously it was a marketing ploy, but ultimately he comes and pitches it like it has a pitching tryout at for the Toledo mud ends. And like people thought this was legitimately, he was going to hang it up and pull a Michael Jordan and, you know, become a minor league pitcher and make his way into baseball. And so I looked this up again when he won, you know, the PGA and everyone's talking about all these Phil stories. And I'm like, this is one I 
distinctly remember as a Toledo and being like, yeah, I remember it. It was huge news in Northwest Ohio that Phil was coming and having a, a pitching tryout for the Toledo Mudheads. He apparently threw some stuff like high 70s and obviously did not make the team. Shocker. But uh, he ends it with like an interview being like, you know what? I think I really want to do this, though. I want to keep this in my back pocket for something I want to do next. Like, yeah, Phil's going to try to make it as not just like a minor league outfielder or teach himself how to hit. Like, no, he's going to be a pitcher and try to like throw gas. And this is like not even when Phil was in shape. This is when Phil was wearing extra, extra large shirts and everything and had a, you know, kind of a little bit of a beer cut going on. But yeah, I will always, always remember that being like, like, why did people think that that was a legitimate thing, that Phil was going to hang it up and be, you know, a, uh, a minor league pitcher? No, that was that was never going to happen. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it, that, that was my greatest memory of it. He, he has had a um, he's been a you know, he's a showman. He's had this performance art streak all along. I'm reading a quote here as you were. He, he, yeah. After his unsuccessful tryout. Uh, Mickelson said, if I can get my velocity up, we may revisit this. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was like, if I can get my speed up to 85 miles per hour or above consistently, I wouldn't rule out trying this again. <laughs> yeah, sure. No problem, Phil. No problem. <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, we've, we've affectionately nicknamed, uh, I'm trying to get it to stick, but it, it probably never will. But you know, when the women, uh, started back up their season last year after COVID. The first two events were in Toledo, and actually the first one was at Inverness. And Danielle Kang won both events. And so I've been trying to get the nickname, uh, calling her the Mud Hen to stick. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to ask her about that this week when I yeah, see her. That's, again, a, it's something that Toledo is going to be known for, is always for the Mud Hens, just because it's everyone wonders what a Mud Hen is. I, I couldn't tell you what a Mud Hen is, you know, and – Again, we tried to keep the Toledo Mommy River connection going, but calling it the Toledo Walleye with, you know, the sure. the walleye run we have on the Mommy River every single year, which is a huge attraction to Northwest Ohio and the Mommy River. If you come during the walleye run, you'll cross the Mommy River and you'll see just lines of people waiting to uh to catch their walleye out of the out of the mommy river i heard we were trying to get an arena football league team that never got off the ground that was oh. going to be called the bull it's going to be called the bullfrogs um we haven't talked northwest Ohio. well we did talk a little bit of northwest Ohio football but again another another memory i have of northwest Ohio football was our local newspaper trying to say that northwest ohio was the home or the birthplace of some of the greatest college football coaches of all time so I, I know you're going to do your research and you probably listened to all you tried to effort. Uh, there's, I will remember this. There was a news article that said it was a profile on Nick Saban, who got his start at University of Toledo, Urban Meyer, who got his start at, at Bowling Green, which I know how you feel about him. Of course. And then the two, then the two Harbaugh brothers are actually born in Perrysburg as well. So there was this big article that said we were the birthplace of the greatest football coaches ever. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's grabbing for a headline a little bit too much. <laughs> it's I, it is impressive though it's impressive that you know th those guys have have certainly carved out awesome coaching careers i feel like there's many more too like aren't the polinis are, are they northeast between northeast and northwest ohio there's just tons and tons of football coaches have, have oh, come yeah. from that area oh, yeah, uh, sure. yeah uh all right eric this was fantastic uh awesome energy on toledo i i don't I, get to i don't get to talk grocery stores that was the last thing I, I had oh, to hit on. Of course, of course. Yeah, grocery Cause, stores. Because we, we actually can have a kumbaya moment here. We're actually, because I, 
I grew up a Kroger person too. And I think that, again, this is a, this is an Ohio thing, but my, when you guys had Spencer Hall on and he gave his criticisms of Kroger, it made me totally realize why I didn't, why I didn't enjoy Kroger in my, in my, in my later years, because the first two years, the first two months of the pandemic last year, when I wasn't working, uh, I came back to Toledo and Kroger was kind of the only, uh, was the only grocery option. And I was thoroughly, thoroughly disappointed every time I went to the grocery store. I hate hearing that. I know. It's just like, Spencer was right. I just, I, I, I related to it. You know, there was always this random stuff out of stock. There was never anything I was excited about. Kroger's trying to like get into like the Walmart Meyer territory by like selling clothes and stuff too at Kroger. Like it's just, it's, it, they're, they're trying to be too much, you know, ultimately. And like, I miss in the Northwest Ohio, we used to have giant Eagles Were giant Eagles a thing down in Cincinnati or no, not, no, not in Cincinnati, but I've okay, become familiar were, with giant Eagles and living in Columbus. Those were Columbus, but then the other, the local, Northwest Ohio one that just kind of came back within the last couple of years is called Churchill's. There's one in uh there's one in hmm. Perrysburg and there's one in uh there's one in Toledo. There's a couple other all around. But uh, my mom told me the story about Churchill's because it was there growing up and then they disappeared for a while and then they came back. And I asked my mom, you know, where'd they go for a while? <laughs> and uh the owner, the the owner's name was Walt Churchill. He was basically like refusing to give the the uh the ownership of Churchill's to his son, you know, he was still running the whole operation up until he was 90 and 95. And he'd be like, yeah, I don't think my son's quite, quite ready to take over and run it while his son's 70, you know, like his son's oh, ready God. to retire yeah. too. And like, he's, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he apparently wasn't ready to run the, run the Walt Churchill grocery chain around, uh, around Northwest Ohio. So it's like uh-huh. I said, I just had to have that moment with you too, that like, look, I understand Kroger mm. for a long time, how to, how a great place in my heart, but they're falling off. They're, they're falling off a little bit I, in my head. And I, well, it's, I you no, know, it sounds like they got work to do outside of Cincinnati. You know, they're, they're protecting the homeland They're They have great stores in Cincinnati, but it's disappointing to hear that. Maybe they've, they've let the, the consistency again, slip. Again, your favorite, your, your favorite Kroger is Hyde Park, Cincinnati. My sister and her husband, they live in Hyde Park. So I know the exact Kroger you're talking about. Of as course. Well. So they, again, that is a great Kroger, but. There's, there's some other ones that are severely lacking. Well, looking at the Toledo, do you know anything uh, or do your parents, do, do they ever mention there's a Monet's market, Monet's market? I don't know how you pronounce it. And also a, um, uh, what's the other one? Market on the Green. Looks like maybe two really good local ones. I know Monet's. Monet's has some really, really good produce for sure. The other one I'm not, I'm not as familiar with. Okay. Monet's, I used to pass it all the time on my way home from Inverness, basically. So I know what you're talking about. Monet's looks like it's getting wonderful reviews online. That might be, yeah, yeah, if I need to get some groceries, that might be where I I stopped this week. (laughs) For sure. For sure, man. (laughs) Um, All right. We did, we did groceries. Let's see. We, we got some mud hen stories, Eric, this was fantastic, man. Um, I, I really, really appreciate you jumping on, especially on, on your family vacation. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to get to see some of the Solheim cup. I know you said you'll be busy with a, a tournament of your own this weekend, but uh, I'm really looking forward to spending uh, five days in Toledo. I think you guys will, will thoroughly enjoy yourselves. You guys will eat some, uh, some pretty good food. You guys have some great ice cream. There's uh, some good breweries, some good, uh, some good beer options and everything uh, too. And you know, I'll, I'll kind of close this up. My dad always says it. He's like, um, whenever we go somewhere that's really new or fancy, that's in Toledo, he always says, you know, 
hey, that's that's pretty dang good for little old Toledo, isn't it? And you know, I think I think you'll be thoroughly impressed as uh, if you uh, if you stick to the local suggestions and people that have been there a while. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy your week too. Uh, I am yes, very very excited to watch the Solheim Cup this week as much as I as much as I can. The YouTube TV is set to record everything. We'll be we'll we'll make sure we get to watch it eventually.